Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by a record online Celtic blogger, Jamie Flynn. And on the pod today, at 63 and counting for Celtic, we look back on the greatest run in the history of the club. And following on from that, we assess the fallout from Tony Cascarino and Joey Barton's comments about Celtic and Brendan Rodgers. And with the club now looking to qualify for the Europa League, we ask for the fans' perspective on Europe's second-tier competition. And finally, we ask, just what does it take to become a club legend? So, Jamie, thanks very much for joining us today. We'll start off, you know, with still the big talking point. Celtic, they cantered to the unbeaten run at the weekend against St Johnston. If we could just maybe start off by getting, you know, what is your main, you know, reflections on this, you know, historic run in the history of the club? I don't think that there can be any doubt that this is a fantastic achievement for Celtic. You know, records are there to be broken. Um, and there's been a lot spoken recently about this record, whether it was an easy thing to break, whether it was a difficult thing to break. But the very fact is it sat about for 100 years. If it was easy, it would have been broken along before now. You look back at the fantastic sides that have that have played in the Scottish game over the past century. I'm too young to remember them all, but starting with the Lisbon Lions, fantastic Celtic side. They never broke this record. The Rangers, nine in a row team with all the wealth and the Loudrops and the Gascoins and all those players, they never broke this record. It's down to Brendan Rodgers and his Celtic team, and they've broken this record, and, and we're, I've said it before, but we are witnessing as Celtic fans and as Scottish football fans a, a, a historic and important football team uh, playing the game at the moment. And you might have to you know, cast your mind back quite a bit, but there hasn't been too many difficult moments for Celtic in this run. You know, you had the, I suppose maybe the main one was the Motherwell game at Fir Park. They found themselves 2-0 down. Um, maybe the Hibs game at home this season. You know, has there been any... You know, at point of this run where you kind of thought to yourself, you know, well, this is it. It's you know, this is this is where it's going to end. It's funny because you know, as the record gets on and and it goes on and the games come and go, before every game, it's at the back of your mind, and I, and I do wonder if it's at the, the back of the players' minds about this record. And now that it's broken, maybe they'll ease off a wee bit, and we'll see a bit more difficult games for Celtic now that they're not chasing the record now that it has been broken. But looking back, you know. I, you know, the Motherwell game at the time, you're thinking, That's a, this is a difficult one, this is where it's all going to end. But they managed to dig it out. The Hibs game a couple of weeks ago, I think, personally, the Hibs game was probably our most difficult challenge, um, which is peculiar because Hibs were the newly promoted team. Um, and I didn't really see that coming from Hibs. I knew Neil Lennon would have his side fired up, but I didn't see that coming. Certainly when you look at Aberdeen, there was no really... I mean, for all the talk that Derek McInnes has done a good job at Aberdeen, he's never really got close to Celtic. Rangers through various managers, that's been a walkover. So, you know, it's a historic achievement, but I think a lot of credit has to go to Hibs because they've definitely, over the course of these 63 games, that is the one I would pick out as is probably the, the most difficult. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, you know, now that the record has been broken, the next question is, you know, just how how long can this run go on for? You know, what do you... You maybe not want to make an outright prediction, but you know what do you? No, do you listen, think I, I'm the guy that was on this podcast and predicted that Celtic would beat Bayern Munich, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not afraid to make a prediction. Um, <laughs> you know, as these games go on, you know Celtic were invincible last year, and I never thought that would happen. But as the games go on, and as you beat more teams, the likelihood of of going unbeaten gets gets more and more. Um, now I'm not saying for a minute Celtic are going to go unbeaten this season, but somebody has to beat Celtic. You know. You know, Celtic are there to be beaten and they're a fantastic team and they've shown that they can do it. 
and it's up for someone else to improve from last season and say, no, you beat us last season, we're going to beat you this season, we're going to take points off you this season. And having looked at everyone we've played, I mean, just looking back at the Aberdeen game a couple of weeks ago, bossed it. We absolutely bossed it against Aberdeen. Hibs came close, but they didn't beat us. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know when it's going to end, but I, I think, honestly, I think it will maybe come from somewhere that you're not expecting. I think maybe a tired Saturday after a European game, away from home up at Ross County in the dead of January or something, where the players are just not up for it. They might sneak out in, something like that. Um, but it's going to take something. It's going to take something like that because, from what I've seen, the other teams in the league just aren't up to it. Could it go to a hundred? Yeah, feasibly it could. Why not? Uh, I absolutely could. Like I say, you look about the league and you think who out there could take points off Celtic, and a toe to toe, our best versus their best. Um, there's, there's nobody I, I can't see anybody unless Rangers pull off some miracle and get some manager in that's halfway competent um, maybe they'll pull off a miracle and do something against us but looking at the other teams in the league I, I just don't see it so would you maybe agree with, like, with Scott Sinclair's comments that you know the only team who could end this run Celtic's run is Celtic yeah I mean that, that that's kind of what I was I touched on just a minute ago you know Celtic come back they're tired they're not up for a game their eyes off the ball and they let something slip that's I think that's the way it's going to happen more than you know that's the more likely scenario a team turned up at Celtic Park when we're on our game and absolutely bossing us and playing better than us and beating us toe to toe I just don't see it happening um, it's going to be the other way about it is going to be Celtic slipping up and costing themselves and you know, throughout Celtic's history, there's been a lot of you know what you would call maybe iconic sides. You've obviously got the Lisbon Lions. If you want to go back even further, you've got you know Willie Melly's side that mm. set the original record. You've got Martin O'Neill's team, who obviously they run to the Seville final in the UEFA Cup. Where would you place this Celtic side in amongst those? It's, it's so difficult because it's quite difficult comparing generations of Celtic side because. You know, we've won the treble, we went invincible. So last season, that was the best season Celtic have had for a long, long time. Even better than anything that Martin O'Neill achieved, in my opinion, aside from reaching the UEFA Cup final, obviously. But would any of Martin O'Neill's players at their peak at that time get into the Celtic squad? And the answer is yes. Chris Sutton, Henrik Larson, Alan, all these guys would just walk right into that Celtic team at the moment. So it's, it's, it's quite difficult to predict where this Celtic team sits um, but I think maybe just nestled in behind for my my period of time, obviously Lisbon Lions top of the tree. But for for my lifetime, nestled in behind um, the the peak of Martin O'Neill. I think um, should they go unbeaten again this season? Not even unbeaten. Should they topple another treble this season? I think they would probably overtake Martin O'Neill's team because you you can't deny it. I mean, you can look at Martin O'Neill's players and say they were better. You know, Lars and Sutton, absolutely terrific players. But to win back to back trebles. You know that that would that would that would really be an achievement. And obviously, it's you know it's come out you know this week um, from namely Messrs Barton and Cascarino uh, that you know that this achievement from Celtic isn't quite you know what people are making it to be. You know, Cascarino was saying you know they're not playing, you know they're up against nothing. They're up Barton. I think compared it to like a Sunday League style achievement. You know, how does that you know as a you know, a Celtic fan. What do you? What's your reaction to those kind of comments? Do you think they've, in any way, got a point, or do you think they're just, you know, not I think I think talking about. I think they both embarrassed themselves. I, I think Twitter is the best thing that's ever happened to Joey Barton, because Joey Barton was an average footballer who's achieved almost nothing in the game, but when Joey Barton is getting on Twitter and he's running his mouth about players and Sunday League, 
it takes away people's attention from what Joey Barton's actually like as a player. And he came up here and he, he was bullied. You know, he never showed up in any Rangers game. So if it's Sunday league and he can't make an impression, then uh, you know, you're left asking what type of player Joey Barton is. I do wonder what Joey Barton, the pundit, would make of Joey Barton, the player, had they not been the same person. As for Tony Cascarino, you know, he came up here and done absolutely nothing as well in a Celtic jersey. People barely remember who Tony Cascarino is. So he's just another one, I think. Maybe he needs to temper his comments a wee bit. I, I just, I'm not sure how qualified he is to comment. Is it surprising that a guy, you know, who is maybe is, you know, not memorable as it was, it's so surprising that a guy who has played for Celtic would, you know, take that view on it? It is. You think he would have more, more respect for the club. You think he'd have more respect for the competition. He's played up here. Um, he knows how difficult it can be. You know, it's very disrespectful, not just to Celtic, but to the other teams in the league. But it seems there's, there's a lot of people very quick to disrespect the Scottish game. You know, Scottish teams can't win sometimes. You're doing well, it's because it's dead easy. If you're, if you're doing poorly, then it's your own fault. Mm-hmm. So, no, um, I would expect Tony Cascadino to have a wee bit more respect, but, you know, you, you, can't, you can't expect much. And obviously, if this, you know, this this one and one, you know, it keeps going on and on, and you know, there's very little, you know, in the way of teams challenging Celtic. Another question that has been posed is, and Celtic fans maybe get a wee bit fed up of hearing it, but you know, how long do you think before you know Brendan Rodgers gets to the stage of thinking I need, if if at all, that he maybe thinks I'm maybe going to look for a, a different challenge? Do you see that as something that? I, I, honestly, I genuinely don't think it's on his mind at all. Um, I think it won't be on his mind at the end of this season. But I do think Brendan Rodgers is an ambitious guy. He's still quite young, that being said. I just, I think it might get to that stage, you know, three years, four years down the line, he might look to say, look, I've taken you, taken you this far. But he won't leave us in the lurch. I don't think Brendan Rodgers is the type of guy that's going to build up the team, get the best out of it, then leave. You know, he'd want to leave something in place. And I think Brendan Rodgers is... Is, a, is enough of an honourable guy to say, I've taken you this far, There's you can see the finish line, there's 10 in a row, you can, we're going to give somebody that can take you over the finish line. Um, but I, I honestly don't think it's in his mind just now. I, I don't think that could be further from his mind. The guy's just in the door. You know, he's, he's only done one season and it was a brilliant season, it was a historic season, but, you know, nobody comes after a season and goes, oh well, done that, completed Scottish football, what next? You know, yeah, and I think his comments, you know, earlier in the week were maybe quite telling. I think, and I've heard this from Brendan Rodgers before, even before he came to Celtic, is that I think one of the, the main, you know, things he enjoys about you know managing teams, coaching players, is this challenge of as well as winning trophies, but developing players. Yeah. So I think his kind of take on it earlier in the week was, you know, you've got this culture down south now where it's. It's higher and fire. It's if you you come into a job, you only you see it. Like, I mean, Ronald De Boer. Mm. Sorry, not Ronald De Boer. Frank De Boer. Frank. Uh, Crystal Palace. Um, there was all this talk during the summer about you know Palace implementing a new style of play, but then he's out the door in a couple of weeks. Do you think that is maybe that you know he's got a point there that you know you're not going to he's not going to get the chance down south to do what he's doing here. He's bringing through players, you know, young Scottish players, the likes of. Stuart Armstrong, McGregor, obviously Keenan Tierney being the standout. I, th- I think there's, I think there's a bit of hypocrisy down in England. You know, English pundits are very quick to put the Scottish game down, um, but as soon as a job comes up and Brendan Rodgers doing quite well, he's linked to it. They want him, so so it can be both. You know, I, I saw during the week that um, West Ham they'd bite their hand off for Brendan Rodgers, but I, I don't know if Brendan Rodgers would be as attracted. You know, Brendan Rodgers already had a big job in England. 
and he wasn't appreciated. And you know, he was a bit of a laughing stock for a time down in England. And I think only now people are starting to look back at Brendan Rodgers' time at Liverpool and go, you know, maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't that bad. Maybe he wasn't as bad as we thought. I think if Brendan Rodgers went down to England again, which I don't think he will do, I think his next job will probably be in Spain or, or Italy or something like that. Um, but I think if he was to go down in to England again, I just wonder what club would attract him. Um, because it would have to be a big one where he's promised three years or something to, to actually build something. And the, the fact of the matter is you don't get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And obviously you touched on, well, touched on just the kind of players that he is bringing through. You know, we mentioned the likes of Armstrong, you know, McGregor, uh, obviously Kieran Tierney being the main one. And you talked as well about this kind of idea of people down south, you know, maybe looking down on the Scottish game a wee bit. And obviously the more Kieran Tierney continues, you know, to be a standout, the more the speculation is, is he going to get a big money move elsewhere? Obviously you can maybe apply the likes to Moussa Dembele to this as well. Do you think that um, kind of the way that the game is viewed down south would affect, you know, how these clubs down south look at the the value of the likes of Kieran Tierney. You know, there's been kind of some suggestion before that clubs would maybe, you know, skimp a wee bit on Scottish players. You know, there's not obviously big money down south, but you know, you never see that kind of money paid for a, a player up here. Do you think, you know, that there is that kind of, as you say, that maybe they'd be undervalued these players down south. Do you think you would if Kieran Tierney was to go? Do you think you would get like a massive, a bit massive big fee for him? I don't. I'll preface all this by saying I don't think Kieran Tierney will go. But mm-hmm. I think we said Dembele will. Yeah. I think that's a stick on. I think any player that wants to get use Scotland as a stepping stone, they have to do it in the Champions League. There's three things that Moussa Dembele has to do this season if he wants to get that big move. He needs to. Perform for Celtic and have another terrific season. You know, another 40-odd goals a season. That's what he needs to do. He needs to do it in the Champions League. And he needs to get a France call-up. And once all those three boxes are ticked, I think then you're looking at a £20 million, £30 million striker. Because strikers are hard to come by. I think it's a different story for Kieran Tierney. Because I think it's slightly more difficult for a left-back to make his name. Um, Do I think he's got the talent to do it down south? 100%. And I, I'm not sure why it's even up for debate, to be perfectly honest with you. Kieran Tierney is absolutely talented enough to walk into any team down south. Um, but on the fees, when you touched on the fees, I think you're right. And I think Scottish clubs... I mean, Celtic have got good fees recently for players. Um, but I think Scottish clubs need to hold out a bit more. They need, they need to be a bit tougher when it comes to negotiating. And I think that goes for Celtic as well. You know, if you look, Van Dijk made the what was it, a £13 million move to Southampton or whatever it was, and his next move's going to be 40 or 50 to Liverpool or Chelsea. More, more than that, yeah, presumably. 60 was, 60 was the, the numbers that were touted. I think time. it's only a matter of time before these clubs perhaps just come directly to Celtic and say, how about we just give you 25, 30 for your player instead of doing that step? Because the money's, they're awash with money down there, they've got nothing to lose. So I think Dembele's next move isn't going to be to a West Ham or a Midland team. I think maybe one of the a Spurs or somebody that actually wants them is it might come up and pay big money, but that that's listen pure speculation and a bit of wishful thinking. But that's the way I'd like to see it go. Yeah, and you said that uh, one of the kind of main things that Moussa Dembele needs to do is you know do it in Europe mm. um, to really attract that kind of attention. Obviously, the Champions League campaign uh, it looks like barring a kind of 
incredible turnaround with the likes of Anderlecht that Celtic are going to find themselves in the Europa League, um, which obviously was the goal mm-hmm. uh, for Celtic after Christmas to um, to be in Europe. Um, but you know, going into the Europa League, will that you know, even though it's it's not quite obviously not the Champions League, will that still excite the fans in the same way? Will they still take to it? That you know, the fact that it's just it's still European football, or will it you know be a slightly lesser? It's funny. For it. It's funny. But I think you might be able to remind me, but Man U and Chelsea have won the Europa League in, in, in recent years. There's no, there's no snobbery down there. You know, when they those teams won the the, the Europa League, sorry, they were delighted to win it. You know, there's no snobbery anywhere yeah. else. But there seems to be a strange snobbery in Scotland about the Europa League. You know, we go into the Champions League and we get beaten, and people say, "Well, that that's kind of our level, isn't it?" But if you go directly into the Europa League, it's seen very much as a second-tier tournament, which it is. Mm-hmm. But there's no shame in being in the Europa League. I mean, there's some terrific teams in the, in the Europa League. But I do think, I'm, I'm not speaking as if I'm enlightened here, but I do think some fans are a bit spoiled. You know, some fans, it's Champions League or nothing. Um, per, my personal view is that the Europa League is a good tournament. It's a solid tournament. And it's one we could maybe make a dent in. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the Europa League, you know, you said the likes of Man United and Chelsea have won it in recent years. I think fans are snobby about it when their team's not in it yeah they're in the Champions League you know it's easy I suppose to look <laughs> on it but then when you are actually in this competition and the group stages you know they're a wee bit of a non-event at times but you know the more the tournament goes on I think the interest level and the how seriously you know these clubs like Man United and Chelsea started to take it yeah. you know just went up and up so with that in mind you know how how far do you th- if Celtic do you think Celtic could go if they were to drop into the Europa League? I mean, it, it is really difficult to tell because, but it, you know, Celtic took a while to find their feet in, in, in the Champions League. So there's there's two Celtic teams sort of playing in the Champions League just now. There's the one that got absolutely murdered by Paris Saint Germain and Bayern Munich away, and then there's the one that turned up to Bayern Munich at home. So it sort of depends what what team what what team we're going to get there. A favourable draw. I don't see why Celtic can't progress to the latter stages. The problem is, though, a lot of good, a lot of big teams drop into the Champions League and they sail through these latter stages. And if they do come up against, now I'm not sure what English clubs are in the Europa League at the moment, but if they come up against a big English team, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal for example, yeah. Celtic have, I mean, with the best one in the world, you know, I'm, I'm a, the eternal optimist here when it comes to Celtic, but the best one in the world, can Celtic knock Ars- an Arsenal out of the, the Europa League? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It would take a, it would take a really good performance, um, but given a favourable draw, there's no reason why we couldn't get to the final. Yeah, because I mean, you look at the likes of um, Anderlecht. Obviously, still to play them at Celtic Park, but mm. Celtic went over to Belgium and did a bit of a number on them. And if you look back at last season's Europa League, uh, Anderlecht, they were only put out by the eventual winners, yeah, Manchester United. Yeah. So they got into the, the latter stages, and Celtic of you know maybe Anderlecht not in the at the start of the season they're not in the best shape with their you know, change of manager you don't know um, how they are quite in comparison to last season but you know going over there and beating a team like that 3-0 and then who are obviously you know some sort of Europa League standard last year it must be you know, like a, a decent indicator do you think? Aye so when, that's what, when you look at that Celtic team you think well that's good that sort of Anderlecht level that, that, a level at that if we were to come up against them in the Europa League I think we could put them out as the competition progresses and you get the harder teams, it you know it's obviously going to be more difficult. I just think, oh, I mean, obviously on the night, I'd back Celtic against anyone. I backed them against Bayern Munich, but I, I just think it would be difficult. 
I just I, I just think it would be difficult to, to, to win that tournament would be very difficult to reach the latter stages semi-final maybe even a final you know I think we've got a chance because uh, you know we're not going to put it this way we're not going to go into that tournament and get embarrassed yeah in general you know it, is a fair, it would be a, a fairer playing field for Celtic I mean because it, you go up against the likes of Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich these are Which teams are just blowing everybody away you know PSG especially so would you say it would be you know, you will get the big teams from the Champions League dropping in, but it would be a general, generally it's, a fairer playing field for Celtic. It's a, it's a fairer playing field than, you know, I'd come across a bit hipster here, but it's a bit of a purer tournament because all the teams have kind of got vaguely similar standard of players, vaguely similar wealth. When you go into the Champions League, like you touched on Paris Saint-Germain there, they've just got a team full of absolute megastars, you know, mega talent all over the pitch. You look at Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich have got European class, world class players with one or two, three extra special players dotted about. And that's the same for most of these clubs. But you look at the top, like the Paris Saint Germain's, the Bayern Munich, the Paris Saint Germain's, excuse me, the Real Madrid, the Barcelona, they're just, every area of the pitch is just stocked full of world class talent. And the gap now between what Paris Saint Germain can afford and the standard of play they've got and what Celtic and Anderlecht and all these second tier European teams have got is almost insurmountable. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that as well, you've got the Europa League would change you to playing on a, a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams sometimes have kind of struggled with that, you know, domestically. Um, the kind of Thursday night going away to maybe, I don't know, somewhere far flung like Russia, or do you think that would, you, know, you touched on it earlier on, that, uh, you know, maybe the only way this unbeaten run, coming back to that a wee bit, is going to come to an end, is, you know, off of something like that. Would that worry you as a... Aye, it's, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's the price of success. You know, if you want to just play every game, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, then that the only way to do that is not be in any tournaments. The price of success is being in these tournaments and playing these games and having the fixtures. And in the end of the day, Celtic have got a good squad. You know, we dropped the three scorers in Anderlecht against Aberdeen and we won 3 So, So Celtic can do that. And, and it's up to Celtic. If they look in the horizon and they say, OK, Europa League, we're going to be in the new year, then you know it's, we've got money to strengthen in January. And I think that's something that we'd probably need to do. If, if, we've got any, if we've got any serious ambitions in making a dent in this tournament, then we can't repeat the mistakes of the summer and not sign a centre-half. We have to get the centre-half in and we have to get one or two other players in that Brendan Rodgers wants. Right. And finally, uh, we looked yesterday, uh, Wednesday, uh, at record online at, you know, what does it take to be a club legend? Uh, so this was a wee bit of a debate um, about certain players. You know, what is the criteria between being a cult hero and then a legend? Where is the, you know, where do you draw the line at cult hero and then where do you then become a legend? So specifically for Celtic, what do you think, what makes a Celtic legend? What 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 criteria do you need to fit? Is there any specific ones, or does yeah, it, you know? there's, there's there's one, there's one. The difference between a cult hero and a legend is sacrifice. A cult hero comes to a club, does very very well, and then will move on. A legend will come to a club and sacrifice almost his professional career, the, the promise of absolute riches and absolute success to stay and fight for the cause. So Henrik Larsson is a legend because we all know he could have went to Man U. He could have went down south, he could have went anywhere when he was at Celtic, but he didn't, he stayed and fought for the cause. Paul McStay as well, he had the opportunity to go, I think it was Inter wanted him, there was talk of Juventus, he chose to stay and go for the cause. Kieran Tierney, I think, is in the path where he could probably go down south, but I think he'll stay and choose the cause, whereas 
Decanio, Cadet, Van Hoydonk. These guys are cult heroes because they came, they gave us a wee bit, then they moved on. So I, I think the one difference is that, that that sacrifice you make for the greater good of the club and not just your own career. So with that in mind, would you say that you know that word legend is flung about a bit too freely at times? Eh, nah, no, honestly, I don't. I, I know that that that's something that happens, but you know, if you say who's your club legends to any any football fan, you're lucky if they can name five players. They're not going to sit there and name hundreds and hundreds of players. Do you know? You know. So I think football fans in particular, football fans of their own club in particular, are very precious over who, who's a legend. I think sometimes when you're living it, you know, a player's a legend, you know, you might get, oh, Scott Sinclair's or Lee Griffiths or Moussa de Belly. When you're living it, but but retrospectively, I think the sheen comes off a wee bit and, and what you're left with is actual club legends and, and for Celtic there's only a handful. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it is one kind of thing that you maybe can only, you know, in years to come. Yeah. You look back and you say, well, yeah, definitely, absolute legend. Or, you know, because some players, uh, you know, maybe for whatever reason, you know, I don't know, they might leave the club acrimoniously or, but there is, you know, maybe one man that you could look at right now uh, and make a judgment on, Scott Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a piece for the record online on my, my blog saying that he, behind Billy McNeil, was probably Celtic's greatest captain. You know, he's, 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 he's done it all for Celtic in as much as He's kind of bubbled up and he's came in for a lot of stick and he's fell out of favour, but he's always turned up. He's never taken a huff. You know, he's won trebles, he's been invincible, he's won titles, he's bossed it in Europe, he's bossed it against Rangers. But I, I, honestly, I'm reluctant to call him a legend at the moment because you have to see how it pans out. But, you know, we're 99% of the way there. We can kind of tell how Scott Brown's Celtic career is going to pan out. He's going to captain us to a couple more titles, maybe to nine in a row. And then Kieran Tierney is going to try and take us over the finish line for for ten, and then at, at which point Scott Brown will undoubtedly be a Celtic legend. Truth be told, he's already there, but you know, I just said I'm quite reluctant to use that word, you know, throw it about. So let, let's see how it pans out. But you know, I don't think there's any doubt that that's what he's he's heading for. Mm-hmm. And just off of the back of the article that we had up on Record Online the other day, I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. Okay. And then you can maybe tell me if you think legend or cult hero and maybe just a wee bit about about why okay uh, Paolo Di Canio cult hero I mean he came he done very well for his he, he went on but he, he doesn't seem to hold any particular affection for Celtic that I can tell Celtic fans liked him because he came at the right time played you know in that, in that team that played that sort of football lit it up you know but uh, no he's, he's a cult hero Mikel Lustig <laughs> I love Mikel Lustig and I don't think Mikel Lustig gets you know enough enough credit Swedish international just plugs away in that right hand side good player seems to absolutely love playing for Celtic uh, I think you know with his, his antics and all that sort of thing I think he's the epitome of a, of a cult hero yeah because I think Lustig is one of those guys who you know when he's playing for your club as you mentioned with you know the antics he's a bit of a character you know he like, seems to like enjoy a wee bit of a wind up Aye. on the park I think He's the kind of guy that maybe opposition fans just don't like, and then he, that that seems to endear players yeah. to their own fans even more when they see you know that opposition fans don't like them. So you'd say cult hero. Aye, cult team. hero. We've got another one, Alan Stubbs. He was in the he was on the the list of names on the article. Was he? I, mean, was. I don't know if I've got any particular opinion about Alan Stubbs. Can we skip over that? I don't really have any particularly strong feelings either way. <laughs> Another one was Peter Grant. 
I think Peter Grant. I th- I, I, you know, he's he's one that you want to call a, a club legend because his, his love for Celtic is absolutely undoubted. But you know, was he that terrific a player for us? No, I think he's. I think another one that firms from firmly in a cult hero <laughs> status for me. Uh-huh. And well, finally, uh, we've got a man who I don't really remember a player. Uh, Certainly, up in Scotland, too, you know, kind of could be lighting things up one minute and then the next minute be absolutely under the cosh from his own fans. It's uh, George Samaras. I get he. You're feeding me cult heroes here. You're you're absolutely feeding me cult heroes because that was the that but that was the was that the was yeah, that the poll because the, 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 it was you know guys who are you know at no point you know throwing names like you know Billy McNeil because we know the know, answer McStay and all that. But it's guys who some people might think are on the precipice between a cult hero and Aye. a legend. I don't, I don't, I mean, I never really rated Samaras that highly at his time at Celtic. A lot of people liked him, but I think that was because of fleeting performances. I think, you know, when we were struggling, we were trying to find guys up front and Samaras would always turn up, but I think Samaras arrived at the right time for Celtic, but definitely a cult hero because he's, there's, even still now, you know, even on now online, people absolutely love George Samaras and, you know, for various reasons, presumably that that performance against Rangers, you know, he's, he's firmly cult hero status. I think all those guys you've mentioned are, are undoubtedly cult heroes for Celtic. And do you think out of the, you know, the current squad who are, aside from the obvious, you know, Kieran Tierney, mm. obviously potential future legend Scott Brown, do you think there's any other guys in amongst that who have either potential to be legends or just, you know, edging towards that cult hero status already? I think... I think Lee Griffiths is on the. I think he's on the verge of cult hero status. I think there's something about Lee Griffiths. I, I really, I really like Lee Griffiths as a player because, as a player, you can tell he's no one that's really necessarily stayed back at training and studiously watched DVDs of his favourite striker and taken notes and all this stuff. He just happens to be a wee guy from Edinburgh who's who's got an absolute wand of a left foot, and he turns up and he plays football every week and he absolutely loves it and you can see it in his eyes. He loves playing for Celtic. He loves scoring goals. He loves winding up opposition fans. He's he's fully one hundred percent bought in. He's like a mercurial talent that just springs up out of nowhere on occasion. Um, and I think he's got all the makings of an absolute cult hero. And I think, you know, even if he left tomorrow, I think Lee Griffiths' time at Celtic would be viewed very fondly um, by me. Uh, but I think other fans, I think he's got the making of, of cult hero there. Scott Sinclair as well. You know, Scott Sinclair's a a strange one for me I think Scott Sinclair was always a talent without a home you know he was always looking for somebody where he could really put on a show and really become the player that he is today admittedly last season he was a lot better than he is this season but but should he refine his form and he's you know he's spoken about how he's got home now how he likes it at Celtic I think if he put in a solid couple of years for us we've got another cult hero on our hands there yeah, I think Patrick Roberts maybe was kind of yeah. in the same way. You're you're right I, I completely forgot Patrick Roberts absolutely I think he's a cult hero already yeah. you know he is he is what Celtic fans love in a player. He's a winger, he's fast, he's tricky, he scores terrific goals. And, and no, you're right, because he's only going to be here a short period of time, he's going to come and go, and everybody's going to look back on him fondly. He's definitely a cult hero. Yeah, because I think that is the, you know, kind of one of the maybe common facets of like a, a cult hero is somebody who's maybe there for a sh- short period of time but makes a huge impression on yeah. the pitch and off the pitch. Like Bellamy, he's another fans. one. Oh. No, Bellamy's a bit of a cult hero for Celtic fans. Um, and I and I think Patrick Roberts sort of fits in that mould because I think Patrick Roberts is destined for the rest of his career 
Every transfer window, if he's not playing, he's going to be linked with a move back at Celtic. <laughs> like the Robbie Keane. <laughs> like the Robbie Keane yeah, or the Ben Louise. He's, he's one of these. Uh-huh. Well, if you guys are the listeners disagree or agree with any anything that we've said in terms of who's a cult hero and who's not, you can join in the debate online uh, where you can vote individually for uh, all the players mentioned in the Legend of Cult Hero articles. But that's all from us on Record Celtic next week. I'd like to thank Jamie very much for joining us um, we'll be back next Tuesday by 4pm if you want to get in touch with us you can I'm on Twitter at Liam Bryce underscore and you can get Jamie at 20 Minute Tims don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it's available and if you liked it please review and rate us on there too thanks very much for listening